Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. It's August 24th, 2018. I'm joined by Politico's Ben Schreckinger. And by the way, thank you for uh, joining me this morning on a rather extraordinary, at the end of a rather extraordinary week, uh, Ben. Thanks so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. All right. Well, let's uh, let's start off by just talking about what's going on with with Donald Trump, Jeff Sessions, and the Republican Senate. Uh, we, we've had some fast moving developments where the the, the president uh, up, you know upped his attacks on Jeff Sessions. Jeff uh, Sessions pushing back yesterday. But I thought the the most head scratching moment was when Lindsey Graham stepped forward, sort of you know out of nowhere, and and basically kind of threw Jeff Sessions under the bus. So this is a guy that said uh, you know there'd be holy hell to pay if uh, Sessions was ever fired as Attorney General. But yesterday he was like, hey, yeah, you know the president deserves a uh, an Attorney General that uh, that he trusts. And then Chuck Grassley, who's been saying that he would not be able to hold hearings for a successor, says, yeah, I'd be able to find time. Uh, more pushback. So give me your sense, Ben, of where Senate Republicans are and, and, and why there was this sudden crack of the solid wall of support for the Attorney General. I have to be honest, it's a little bit head-scratching, uh, mm-hmm. especially given uh, that these are our former colleagues of Jeff Sessions, uh, something that, you know, for hundreds of years has afforded, uh, you know, former Senate colleagues a lot of deference. Um, with Graham, there's been this sort of the pattern of cozying up to the president since I think it was like mid last year uh, that it really began in earnest. Uh, and there's been, uh, I don't think anyone really knows what's going on there. There's been a lot of speculation. Uh, there is. Uh, a persistent rumor that that appears to be more or less baseless that Trump has something on Graham, has some sort of leverage over Graham that's caused this about face. Um, it's possible that Graham just has policy goals that he thinks that he can accomplish better if he's on the president's good side. Yeah, but uh, this, this was this was extraordinary on so many levels. Not only was it a a a, 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 a complete flip flop by by Graham, but the timing was extraordinary. You know, the week of the of the Manafort verdict and the Michael Cohen pleading, uh, the president going on national TV and sounding like a mob boss. If there was ever sort of a moment for Republicans to send the signal to the president, uh, yeah, you don't want to go where it sounds like you're going. <laughs> you know, this would have been it. Instead, you got. Lindsey Graham going, yeah, you know, firing the attorney general in the middle of this investigation, uh, maybe not such a bad idea. Well, I guess I suppose there's the uh, there's the uh, too clever by half interpretation that they're trying to push Trump over the edge, encourages worse impulses um, <laughs> to, to justify a later conviction. Yeah, um, I, I don't think it's that. I, I think it's probably more of a of what we've seen of a sort of growing tolerance for uh, more and more outrageous behavior by the president yeah, from well, Republicans on Capitol Hill. On, um, the other, on the other hand, you did get some pushback from the leadership, including people like John Cornyn, who was, uh, Cornyn, who's, who's been very, very pro-Trump, saying, uh, yeah, we really don't want to do that. Ben Sass gave a speech uh, that was... Uh, I, I would say, you know, pretty, pretty dramatic, saying there's absolutely no way that he could see himself voting for a successor to the attorney general. So there, there doesn't appear to be any sort of a coordinated or unified response by Senate Republicans right now. That's right. And I'm, I'm not sure if McConnell has weighed in. Obviously, that would be very interesting. Um, 
We also saw some interesting responses from Republican senators along these same lines to uh, to Trump's uh, stated desire that flipping should be illegal. Uh, sort of befuddled by that. Yeah, I think uh, somewhere there's a some reporter got Cornyn to weigh in on that, and he just uh, you know. Uh, was confused essentially by it and 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 poo pooed it and said I don't think that there's any room for for doing that. Yeah, we're we're at the you know it, it is it is a Friday and it always seems like Fridays are rather extraordinary during the Trump era. But um, and and I even hesitate to say this, but looking back on it, this does feel like it was one of the more extraordinary weeks in the Trump presidency. How would you rank it in terms of like this was was this the worst week of the Trump presidency so far? You know, I think that it has uh, competitors with Charlottesville and Trump's response to Charlottesville, which I guess was sort of spread over uh, two weeks. Um, Comey firing, Mm -hmm. uh, which was a a true, true turning point that we uh, now know was a turning point. This could we could be looking back on this in a year saying it was also a turning point and a more dramatic one. and also during the campaign, the, the dropping of the Access Hollywood tape. So there, there are a few competitors, but this week was truly up there. Well, but he's bounced back from all of those weeks that you mentioned. All of those weeks basically were essentially speed bumps. I wonder whether or not this this is the and of course, we keep asking this question. I'm almost, you know, kicking myself to do it, whether in fact, you know, this is this is the, the a turning point, especially particularly in turn in terms of the the legal threat that he faces. I mean, you, you're, you're talking about not not just having your, your former campaign manager convicted of felonies, uh, your personal attorney pleading guilty to felonies. The president is implicated in those felonies, as Ben Wittes has pointed out. It's also extraordinary, extraordinarily dangerous for the president that the Department of Justice has accepted this plea, which, you know, which also then accepts as true um, or as credible Cohen's allegation that he made these illegal payments at the behest of of the of the president. And then, of course, in New York, you're seeing the attorney general's office moving on this. The reports uh, today that the Manhattan D.A., is looking at criminal charges against the Trump organization. I mean, it really feels like there's a drip, drip, drip with the future extremely unknowable in terms of the legal jeopardy the president faces. Yeah, I think from a sort of legal and political perspective, this more or less erases the question uh, of whether if Dems take the House, they will impeach. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it had been something of an open question. Uh, but now that the president's lawyer has directly implicated him in a crime, uh, I think it would be hard for Democrats to, to take back the chamber and, and not impeach. Um, it's really not clear with what we've seen so far that uh, that conviction in the Senate would be anything close to a slam dunk, barring further revelations, which there probably will be. Um, and, the, and, the, and the sort of constitutional questions now that are raised by if he ends up being this directly implicated – uh, in a in a state court um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in New York or New York City, um, what that means and sort of the showdown we could see there um, could end up you, being you know, his undoing. By the way, I agree with you that that's what's going to happen if the Democrats take the House. However, they've made the decision that they are not going to be talking about that. That they are basically sending the signal, you know, don't don't use the I word between now and November. That strikes me as a prudent, a politically prudent, if slightly disingenuous tactic strategy. 
Yeah, I think it's telling as well that that Steve Bannon's whole approach to the midterms is to frame them as an up or down vote on impeachment. Um, I think that's a, sort of a sign that both sides agree that if it is a referendum on impeachment, uh, that helps Republicans. Um, I'm interested in whether sort of outside of the I word, how successful they can be in making corruption an issue. Uh, the way I think it was for Republicans in 94 when they when they tossed out the Democrats, um, because not only do we have what we've seen with Manafort and Cohen this week and everything we know about the Trump family business and so on, um, but now the first and second members of Congress to endorse Donald Trump have both been indicted themselves uh, for unrelated corruption scandals within about a week of each other. Uh, I think that's that's really, really extraordinary, and I'm not sure whether or not it's breaking through uh, to voters. Yeah, no, that's always a that's always the question. But I, I agree with you. I wrote a piece uh, yesterday for uh, for the Weekly Standard, uh, you know, saying that Republicans have to at least recognize the possibility that rather than this election turning on tax cuts in the economy, which they hoped it was going to, it's going to turn on this culture of sleaze and corruption, which appears to be spreading. And you're right. Ninety four was it was a year in which it broke through. I would say 2006, um, although it's certainly not at the scale we're at now. Uh, there was the you know sense uh, that uh, that the Democrats uh, had had their own. I'm sorry, the Republicans had their their issues, uh, and and I do think that that Duncan Hunter case. I mean that I I've, I've talked about that several times, but just the details of that. I mean the guy using the campaign. It's one thing for the guy to be a you know a grifter, but but it, it sort of does break through when the guy's using campaign money to buy an airline ticket for a pet rabbit. I mean we're in a different category there, or the shots of tequila. Or trying to cover up, um, you know, some of their 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 illegal and improper expenditures by claiming lying and claiming that it was for the wounded warriors. I mean, Jesus! And then, of course, Duncan Hunter is on television, essentially blaming his wife for all of this. I, you know, I and I think that you know part of the problem is is that Republicans in, in the era of Trump just don't know how to push back on all of this, because essentially they've argued that character no longer matters. I mean, if you're going to support Donald Trump as you want tax cuts or Supreme Court justices, you basically have have mortgaged your political future on the proposition that individual character doesn't matter. All that matters is winning and getting the policy victories that you want. The, the flip side of this, perhaps, is that Democrats sort of somewhat successfully played a similar game in the 90s with Bill Clinton. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, at personal ethical breaches, uh, his his approval rating went way up during his impeachment proceedings, um, and the economy was doing well under Clinton. Um, and so I, I do wonder if there's some chance that, that this will sort of be like election night in 2016, where we once again go in expecting a Democratic victory, um, and this time it's sort of it's the economy stupid and, and Democrats uh, fall short of taking back the House. Um, I wouldn't rule it out just given how surprised we all were uh, a couple of years ago on election night. Well, no, that, and this, that's a good analogy. And also you go back to 1998 when, when everybody assumed the Democrats were going to, you know, take a take huge losses because of the Clinton, uh, all the Clinton scandals, when in fact uh, it, it, it did not. And, you know, the Democrats continue to do things that I, I think, you know, are, are you know, to, to push some of the swing voters away, whether it's Elizabeth Warren's plan to have national charters for corporations or the proposal to, uh, you know, uh, to abolish ICE 
or um, you know the 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 democratic socialists who have been pushed through through the curtain um, on other issues. You know the the uh, the 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 verdict this week, and it, 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 the the verdicts were were huge. There's no question about it. But and I say this on the podcast on a regular basis. Um, the thing about the Mueller investigation is that we don't know what he knows. He's moving methodically. And uh, un- until we get to the, the end of this game, we can't really know what the scope is. So, for example, you know, while, you know, Trump supporters are rallying around saying, well, it's just about sex as, you know, going back to, to Bill Clinton or, or um, this campaign contribution might not have been illegal, even though it clearly was I- illegal. We don't know what the next step is. Will they be willing to rationalize money laundering, tax fraud? Um, we don't know what uh, what kind of information they're they're pu- they're pulling out. I mean, just for example, the the story in the last twenty four hours, it, it, given the pace, that David Pecker, David Pecker, who runs National Enquirer, one of the closest and sleaziest of you know the Trump world acolytes. Had, was granted immunity and is clearly testifying. And it turns out that he has, correct me if I'm wrong about this, the AP is reporting that they had a special safe at the National Enquirer basically filled with with bad stuff about Donald Trump. I mean, who the hell knows where this is going? Yeah, it is a, a page turner. I almost want to, you know, pull over with Van Winkle and, and wake up in a couple of years and just and just have it all curated for me in a, in a nice... Uh, you know, blockbuster movie. Um, yeah, well, you know, yeah. I mean, because this is going to read very differently in retrospect than it is. I mean, lived. I don't know that anybody's. I don't think the historians are going to be able to capture what it's like living through all of this. But once we have all of the pictures, I, I just think that I, I think the Republicans need to be somewhat cautious in in the defenses they offer. By the way, do you remember? You know, this whole David Pecker uh, National Enquirer thing, it's it's almost a footnote, but it was a, it was a big deal uh, here in Wisconsin right before the Wisconsin primary, uh, which Ted Cruz won, beating beating Donald Trump. Remember when the National Enquirer, you know, went, you know, full radioactive with stories alleging, you know, Don, um, Ted Cruz was engaging in multiple affairs with women. It, I mean, it was it was not credible. It was it was clearly bogus. But it went absolutely viral in Trump world. And now as the picture becomes clearer and clearer and clearer, you know, it, it, it's hard to separate, you know, the, the sleaze that the National Enquirer was putting out about Trump's opponents and, and Trump himself and the Trump campaign. So, again, the, these are almost little footnotes right now. But I remember at the time it, it you know, you're wondering, is this going to be a big deal? But you know, how they're, they're going. By the way, so, Ben. What was yes. the famous pe- Pecker headline? Because we're all 12 years old. I think Trump loses Pecker. You know, it's short. It's pithy. Uh, it's frankly hilarious. Um, I think uh, I think HuffPo went with it. Some people floated it on Twitter even before then. What was your favorite? I, I, I think I floated that one, too. I like I, I agree with you. Uh, the New York Daily News, though, of course, has, you know, instant classic headline Pecker in a vice. But, you know, I mean, eh, you know, it's just you, you you can't you can't pass on it. That's that's the problem. This is this is what Trump is doing to all of us. I mean, it's to all of us. Um, so, you know, the the other story, I mean, and I, and I mentioned this before, and I, I don't know the answer to this. And, I'm you know, didn't want to put you on the spot. But the 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 Manhattan D.A. eyeing criminal charges against the Trump organization. 
you know, it's these multiple criminal investigations right now that you just don't know where they're going. Uh, and, and, you know, particularly when, when you have an organization that has been private and that has never, you know, really been subject to, you know, this kind of, uh, this kind of law enforcement scrutiny, I, I would say that this, this raises, I mean, it has to raise tremendous anxiety and, and the chances going back again to where we started with what's going to happen with Jeff Sessions, the possibility the president will use the nuclear option seems to be rising every day. So what are, what are you bracing for? I was thinking of tweeting this morning, brace yourselves. Not, not anything in particular, but, but you know that something's coming. Either it's going to be a, a, a Mueller report that, that may set off the impeachment proceedings, or the president is going to go, just, I, I've had it. I'm going to pardon everybody. I'm going to fire everybody. We're just done. So what, what, what do you, what do you think is going to happen? I think at the back of my head, my biggest concern is the wag the dog scenario um, because Trump in his tweets over the years has made it clear that he thinks that that is how things actually work uh, in the White House. Um, he's tweeted, you know, oh, Obama's going to invade uh, such and such country to, to distract from the Obamacare mess or things of that, of that nature. Um, so if you're someone who thinks that presidents invade countries uh, to distract from their domestic problems, uh, you might actually do it. Uh, there's that. Uh, obviously, Labor Day, in terms of, of uh, less apocalyptic uh, next shoes to drop, um, Labor Day is, is expected to be the last the sort of deadline for Mueller to issue any report or hand down any more indictments before the November elections. Um, so we've got, what, a week? Uh, and then after that, you'd expect uh, federal cases to be quiet. I'm not sure if uh, Cy Vance and, and the Manhattan DA's office or, uh, or the New York Attorney General is going to abide by that. So there may be more surprises like that. Um, you would think Trump, for his own self-interest, would not pardon Paul Manafort before the November election, because I do think that would supercharge uh, Democratic enthusiasm, uh, but it's possible that he can't help himself. Yeah. <laughs> we'll wake up and find out, I guess. Yeah, that day, just to circle the day, the day after the election is going to be um, really something, because especially if, if, in fact, there are going to be pardons or that's the day that Jeff Sessions is fired, you kind of wonder whether or not if if, in fact, the Mueller and now I'm totally speculating, I want to admit this, if, if the Mueller investigation is going to press the pause button, which, again, we don't know um, between now and the general election, you know, that that ends the day after the election. And if they think that Jeff Sessions is about to be fired, you could you could see them, <laughs> at least in my fantasy, I, I, can, I can imagine them, you know, uh, pressing the button that day, that day. Let me ask you another just and again, we're, we're now in the area of complete speculation because I and I had a discussion about this uh, on the podcast the other day. One of the things that I, and I'm changing my mind on all of this, I was thinking, you know, the irony of the paying off of the porn star and the Playboy model is that given what actually happened in 2016 after the Access Hollywood video, that maybe it was unnecessary to pay hush money because, you know, had those stories come out, they might not have mattered. I mean, isn't wasn't wasn't that the, the whole theme of of the twenty sixteen election that nothing matters, and that, that even after the president grabbing about you know bragging about grabbing women's private parts and uh, you know talking about you know his sexual predations that uh, Republican voters basically said yeah we're still okay with all of that 
So why would this have changed? Jonathan Last has a really interesting piece up in the Weekly Standard where he says, you know, yeah, it would have made a difference because basically only, you know, 0.03% of the electorate needed to be persuaded. And he goes back to Karl Rove's estimates that uh, George Bush might have lost, you know, 5 million votes because of that uh, DUI conviction. And his, uh, you know, his, his argument is that, yeah, of course, uh, you know, ha- had these stories come out before the November election, it might have cost Trump the election. So I've, I've gone from thinking, yeah, I don't think anything would have mattered to thinking, well, maybe he's right. What, 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 what do you think? And by I, the way, I, we, we can never be proved wrong. So this is this is, makes it the per the, this makes it the perfect topic for punditry. Yeah, that is what makes it fun. I, I think that it's a it's a persuasive argument when the margins are that thin. Um, it's the same reason that you can argue persuasively that that Russian election meddling uh, very well could have been decisive uh, because it didn't need to move that many votes to be decisive. Um, I think the good news for the president from a legal standpoint, is that he uh, can sort of marshal that other argument of like, so much was out about me, look at these Access Hollywood tapes were out. Um, This was really not about the election. This was about, you know, my wife Melania and my son Barron and this and that. Um, And it may be a a BS argument, but it it could be one that uh, is good enough to get him out of, uh, you know, criminal culpability um, if it's if it's done persuasively in front of a jury. Yeah, you never know what moves the voters. But I mean, clearly, you know, the Access Hollywood video, I heard a lot at the time. Well, it was just talk and all of that. But the allegation that you were having sex with a porn star or a playboy, you know, playmate, you know, shortly after your, you know, your, your wife gave birth to your child, you know, it, it doesn't take too much of an imagination to think that that might have, you know, might move the dial on all of this. But ultimately, I, I don't think that those are going to be the, the, the biggest uh, the biggest stories going uh, going forward. So, Ben, what other stories are you watching right now? What are you working on that we should keep an eye on? Um, I'd love to tell you what I've got forthcoming. I probably shouldn't <laughs> let it slip. Um, I'm very interested in uh, what we're seeing with Facebook uh, uh, very sort of cleverly on Tuesday as – the Cohen and the Manafort uh, guilty plea conviction were blowing up, uh, slipped out the news that it had dismantled a couple of um, information operations. I think two they suspected were Iranian, one was Russian. Um, we still have this sort of uh, unsettled question of, of what's going on in Florida and whether the, the Russians are still uh, lurking in their election systems. Uh, we've seen a, a steady drip Uh, of isolated reports about cyber attacks on, uh, I've seen it uh, Hmm. only related to Democratic candidates, uh, Rohrbacher's opponent out in California and a couple of others. Um, I think McCaskill as well. Um, So I think that that is another one of these, um, you know, the election interference, we're we're still uh, debating election interference in 2016, you know, we were warned it would be back in, in 2018 and even bigger. Uh, and we're seeing signs of it, but I don't think a lot of people are paying attention to it. And I don't think like the dots have been fully connected yet. So I'm very interested in that. Well, also, maybe you can shed some light on this because I find this, but speaking of head scratchers, I don't understand this at all. The, the, the bill that would have significantly bolstered the nation's defenses against electoral interference has been held up in the Senate at the behest of the White House. 
Now, this is the Senate. This is the Secure Elections Act, which was introduced by uh, Senator Langford uh, from Oklahoma. And he was on this podcast talking about it. Uh, he had co-sponsorship of, you know, Kamala Harris, uh, and but also Lindsey Graham is uh, is one of the co-sponsors. Uh, Susan Collins is a so uh, you know is a sponsor. Uh, the they were co- they were scheduled to conduct the markup of the bill yesterday morning in the Senate Rules Committee, um, and it, I think everybody kind of thought this was you know like a you know a two inch putt, and yet the president, uh, the White House, is saying that they have some objections to it. Uh, do you have any idea why the president in this environment at this time would be would want to be uh, blocking the Secure Elections Act that is, has such bipartisan support? Well, so what the White House claims is that the executive branch already has all the statutory authority that it needs to protect elections, and they're not going to sign a law that would take power away from the states unnecessarily. Um that's all well and good if you're, uh, you know, a true, uh, true believer in states' rights and that sort of stuff. Um, uh, it's hard for me to believe that that's really the White House's thinking. Uh, one possibility, uh, just as sort of there's sort of two ways to interpret a lot of uh, the president's posturing on Russia. Uh, one possibility is that from just a pride perspective, um, he doesn't want to sign anything. Uh, or say anything or do anything that acknowledges uh, any role that Russia had in helping him get elected because hmm. uh, it, it it's a, you know hurts his ego. And then there's the more nefarious interpretation, which is that the president realizes that uh, the interference has redounded to his benefit. Uh, perhaps he was complicit in it in, in all sorts of ways. Uh, so of course he's not gonna uh, you know not gonna do anything to to tamp down on that advantage. No, pretty, pretty much none of that is a really good look for the uh, for, for the party right now. Uh, ben Schreckinger, I appreciate it very much. Uh, looking forward to your work in Politico. Thanks for joining me today on the Daily Standard Podcast. And thank you for listening to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We'll be back on Monday, and we'll do this all over again.